This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Hired.com is offering a new freelancing and contracting offering. They have multiple companies that will provide you with contract opportunities. They cover all the tracking, reporting, and billing for you. They handle all the collections and prefund your paycheck. They offer legal, accounting, and tax support. And they'll give you $1,000 when you've been on a contract for 90 days. But with this link, they'll double it to $2,000 instead. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Freelancer Show. This week's episode of The Freelancer Show is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your stale mail into the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for the business over to the digital world, but still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. With Earth Class Mail, you can get all of your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your door if, if you run your business from home. Now, I've checked out Earth Class Mail, and I think it's a brilliant solution that's perfect for businesses and independent entrepreneurs of all types. Visit freelancershow.com slash mail, and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. That's freelancershow.com slash mail. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 214 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Philip Morgan. Howdy. Ruben Lerner. Hi, everyone. Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about conferences, choosing which conference to go to, and what to do when you're there. So I'm a little curious. Reuven, you said you just got back from Double Your Freelancing Conference Europe. I think I said that right. Do you want to fill us in on sort of how you made that decision and what you got out of it and what worked for you? Uh, I, I think most of our listeners have heard of Brennan Dunn before. I think as people often say, friend of the show, right? He's been on a number of times. Mm-hmm. And he did a conference last year in Virginia, near where he lives, in the fall, I think it was September. And I emailed him and said, hey, I'd love to come to your conference, but for me from Israel, it's a little expensive, a little far away. Any chance you could do it in Europe? And he wrote back and said, actually, I am planning to do one in Europe. And when I found out that it was at a time when I did not have anything else scheduled at that point, I reserved that time because I figured there are not many conferences that I get excited about, but Brennan and sort of his cadre of people, and I saw who had spoken at the conference in Virginia, and I saw what the quality was, and I said, this is the sort of thing I really want to go to. I think it should really up my game in terms of my consulting practice. So I had it on my calendar for months. I think I made my reservations in December. The conference was just about two weeks ago as we record this in, in late June. And, and it was truly phenomenal. And I think part of the amaz- amazing part of it was it was small. And so a lot of people, you know, I didn't get to meet everyone there, but I got to meet most of the people there and interact with them in some ways. And most of the people had something really interesting to tell me and to teach me. Interesting. So you made your decision based on who was speaking and who you saw that went to the American conference? Basically. I mean, it wasn't – actually, the list of speakers was not publicized until recently, and I actually ended up speaking as well. But I figured that there would be some overlap between the people who spoke in Virginia and the people who spoke in Stockholm. And I was right. I think I'm guessing about a third to a half of the speakers were the same. And so even if you ignore the speakers – uh, which is not something to ignore. But even if you do that, I was in touch with a bunch of people from Europe, uh, including two people in my mastermind, who were planning to go. And I really uh, was excited about the possibility of meeting in person, having a chance to really talk in person with some of these people with whom I've been in fleeting contact uh, in the past online, the people in my mastermind every week for, I don't know, so it's been like three years. But the chance to really sit down, talk, hash things out, exchange ideas was was very exciting to me. That's interesting because, uh, you know, you mentioned when we were getting ready for the show, well, you know, you guys went to MicroConf and made a decision there as to go to that and what you got out of it. And part of the reason I went to MicroConf this last year was a lot of the same reasons. 
I went the previous year and I really liked the speakers. I really liked the people that I met there. But my mastermind group was also going and we were doing we were doing a retreat for the two days before the conference. So we just mm-hmm. spent a bunch of time together talking and working through things and hanging out. We did a lot of hanging out. But anyway, it was really fascinating just to see these folks in person and, and really kind of get a feel for who they are and stuff like that. So the previous year when I went to MicroConf, I went mostly based on feedback that I had gotten from other people that I knew, Eric Davis and a few other folks that just made it out to be a tremendous experience. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a try because most of the conferences I go to admittedly are programmer conferences and it's more business there where I'm meeting with people who listen to the shows and trying to create an experience instead of have one. So that's kind of how I wound up there. By the way, I also heard from you guys uh, how amazing MicroConf is, and there is a MicroConf Europe, and I was sort of debating whether to go to that or to go to Brennan's conference. In the end, Brennan's conference went out. But next year, I might very well want to go to both of them just because it was such a great experience. I, I wouldn't mind you know, doubling the amount of time I enjoy and learn from. Right. Philip, let's go to you real quick. Is there a conference that is kind of a can't-miss conference for you every year? <clears throat> I'm going to be not intentionally a weirdo here. <laughs> I've never been to a conference uh, other <laughs> than uh, like earlier in my career, like getting sent to some work conferences, but I have never been to a conference, you know, related to freelancing or consulting or marketing or, or any, anything like that. I've had opportunities to go, of course, and just always have never had a feel for what the actual benefits would be. I mean, I know theoretically what the benefits would be, but it's never happened for me. (laughs) You know, I feel like the, uh, What's that movie, The 30-Year-Old Virgin? It just just never happened. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so I would be interested in like I do have sort of a short list of conferences I would go to if I decided I wanted to go to conferences. But so I would be interested in hearing more about some of the specific things that you guys really dig about conferences. But, yeah, I'm just I'm not going to have any like great stories about the benefits of conferences, at least from my own personal experience. By the way, Philip, your, your point, um, I, I have to share part of your point, which is I think this is the first time I'd ever been to a conference for um, professionals in terms of consulting or business. Like I've been to a few technical conferences before. In the last few years, I've been to a bunch in Israel, never really gone abroad for them. Uh, but this was the first time it was sort of a shift because the concentration was not on technology and how cool it is and what is the latest. But it was, it was more like what we discussed on the show, namely, you know, where am I now in my business? Where do I want to be and how do I get there? And where are some strategies and tactics for doing that? Yeah. So you, I think you're going to have that perspective of having no experience at all with that and seeing kind of your first time, like what was it like? And I will be interested in hearing more about that. So Q-Heart Music. Uh, oh, actually, <laughs> actually let me, sorry, let me, no, uh, let me just tag on one more thing. I do feel like, and and this might be a little bit of a a contrary viewpoint, I feel like for me, the most valuable conference experience would be something not with my peers, but like way outside my niche. Like I would like to go to a conference full of sleazy, sweaty, (laughs) disgusting internet marketers to sort of learn what they're doing and see, you know, what part of that is relevant to what I do. Like that's and when I think about it in my mind, that's kind of what I idealize in terms of, of a conference. So I'm curious, you know, if you guys see any benefit in sort of going to conferences inside your niche or outside your niche or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've gone to conferences 
for various technologies, as Ruben said. I've been to the podcasting conferences and I've been to microconf. So I don't know. I haven't I haven't gone to conferences that are like way outside of my niche. Mm-hmm. So or or where I'm not you know I'm not peers with the people who are there. I've been to some good ones and I've been to some bad ones, but. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ruben? Have you have you gone to like I don't know out there sort of conferences that don't seem like they're your niche, but you know may have value being at them? I don't think so. I mean, the the, the closest is probably a bunch of uh, gallery openings in in the art world that I went to with my wife because that's her thing. Where it was sort of fascinating to see how these things work from uh, totally other perspectives. But then I was just sort of a, a bystander, not a real attendee. Right. Okay. Well, maybe that's a dead end. <laughs> but that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Like, uh, you know, aside from microconf and, and Brennan's conferences, those are the things that I would probably put at the top of my list in terms of, but, but I don't even know what the, what they would be. So I feel like so, I'm not so here's, contributing here's much our here. Pro tip, listeners, go to conferences where you're likely to find things interesting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Takeaway number one. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to start sweating on the shows and acting sleazy just for... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my substitute for actually going. <laughs> yep. So uh, what I was hoping that Reuven could do was kind of paint the picture for us as far as what it was like to be at Double Your Freelancing Conference. I can kind of do the same for MicroConf, but, you know, just give us a picture of, oh, this is what was great. This is what it felt like to be there. These were the benefits that I got from it. And then we can actually talk about what you could have or should have or did do at the conference that paid off for you. Okay. So... It was roughly a two-day conference. I say roughly because it was on Thursday and Friday, and it, it started on Wednesday afternoon, people arriving with sort of an opening dinner, and it was purposely not overscheduled, meaning I think there were like five, six talks every day at most, and each talk was about half an hour, um, and it was one track. So everyone was in the same room. I think there were about 60 or 70 of us. Everyone was in the same room. Everyone was watching the same talk, and there was plenty of time scheduled in after each talk for people to socialize both with the speakers and with each other. And then after, and then there were meals like, you know, there's breakfast and lunch and dinner. And between the final talk and dinner, because it was in a spa, you know, we all went to the hot tubs and hung out there and chatted. So not, not, not a bad way to, to spend the afternoon. And the, the purpose, I, I would say there's sort of two purposes, at least that I saw. One was to learn from the speakers that everyone who spoke was trying to give ideas tactics and strategy for how to improve your business, how to think about it, how to make yourself um, sort of more valuable in your client's eyes, um, and how to find better clients. So whether it's building authority, whether it's using email smarter, um, I spoke about training, surprise, surprise. Um, so that was sort of like the, the official part of it. But there was a very strong emphasis placed on interactions, find people, meet them, chat with them informally. And so I think most people try to sort of mix it up who they were eating with at each meal and, you know, in the hot tubs. And um, after dinner then, there was a lot of sort of late night just sort of talking and chatting and interacting. Some of it work-oriented and some of it fun-oriented with the uh, goal of having people open up and chat with each other. And in terms of attendees, while it was aimed at people in Europe, I would say 10%, 15% came from the U.S. And we had some people from Australia, two from India, and then the rest were, were basically from Europe in that area. So it was a pretty wide swath of people. And I would guess easily half, maybe even two-thirds were somehow technology-oriented, although that sort of merged with the people who were doing content marketing, uh, doing graphic design, and so forth. Yeah, so that's probably that's a relatively quick summary there, I guess. 
Yeah, and uh, MicroConf is actually pretty similar. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised at all to find that they took some of the ideas behind how they run MicroConf and put it into W Freelancing. Because, again, it's all one track. A lot of emphasis is placed on who you meet and who you get to know and what their experience is and what you can learn from them. So MicroConf is in Las Vegas, which is actually kind of convenient for me because I can actually just drive there. Yeah, so you get there. There's usually some kind of reception the night before. And there are also a whole bunch of the attendees that, because they understand that, you know, it's a lot about the interactions, they go out of their way to, you know, once everyone's there, they had a Slack channel for us this year. And so, you know, we kind of self-organized for stuff. So going to dinner, going to whatever, getting together for different things and that sort of thing. And then the talks this year, I didn't think were as good as last year, but they were still pretty darn good. Overall, though, um, one of the main highlights for me is going to, they have receptions in the evening. And so they just rent one of the rooms in the hotel, like one of the big clubs or whatever, and they give everybody a drink ticket. And then you just go and mingle. And it starts at like 7 and gets over at like 11 or midnight. And you just wander through and talk to whoever and have those conversations. So, you know, I spent a bit of time talking to Marcus Blankenship. I spent a bit of time talking to a bunch of other people. And honestly, that's where the real value for me came out of the conference was just the ability to go and exchange ideas with these other people who were ahead of me in some ways and help them out in the areas where I might have a little bit more experience or other ideas for them and it's a terrific experience i've usually got a zillion ideas when i'm done and i'm completely exhausted when i'm done with the conference but yeah that's that's kind of the feel and it's very informal so chuck can i maybe not play the devil's advocate but can you give like a specific story of how that's worked where you've like you know gone to a conference and picked up some idea and then do you implement the ideas or do you find that they really translate to some positive outcome for your business? Right. So one of the things that I did or that I picked up at the last one, of course, this came out of hanging out with my mastermind while we were there, but uh, Derek Bailey got me into WordPress and I had moved devchat.tv off of WordPress a few years ago and sort of custom built a Rails application to run everything. And he showed me how to do it in WordPress. And within a few days, I had more or less a working system in WordPress. And so it just it became readily apparent that it wasn't worth paying for custom development on devchat.tv because I could do what I needed to do in WordPress. There are still a few things that I need to add to it. For the most part, it works well. So that was one thing. Another thing that came out of it was when I was getting ready to fly out. In fact, I published it as an episode on this podcast. But I sat down with a guy named Anders, who's from Denmark, who came out to MicroConf. And I looked at him and I said, well, I'm thinking about doing podcast interviews. Are you interested? And he said, sure. So we sat down and had a conversation. And basically, he talked about the way that he runs things and the way that he communicates with the people that work for him because he owns the company. And he talked about having weekly meetings and talked about how they set expectations and you know how they communicate about what they're working on and how they get things done. And it was kind of like something that you could put on top of agile development and it would augment it in a lot of ways that were important. Anyway, so I got a whole bunch of ideas out of that. He also challenged me to figure out my reason for doing what I do. And all of that turned out to be very, very valuable stuff. So I came back, I immediately started doing the weekly meetings with 
Mandy and Federico, who are kind of the two people that do most of the work around here for me. And then I read Start With Why by Simon Sinek at his recommendation, and that really helped me clarify a lot of things about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And between those two things, it's really helped me just move ahead with the business and think about what needs to happen next and who needs to be doing it and where it needs to be going and then coordinate it with the people who are the most important in my business outside of myself. So yeah, I mean, there there were some direct things that came out of it. I got some ideas for sponsorships. I've gotten some ideas for for other things. Sometimes it's just stuff I need to think about and mull over. And then over the next year, between what I heard at MicroConf and what I've heard in a few other places, uh, I realized that, hey, you know, this is important. And though I can't pinpoint exactly where it started, I can kind of say, oh, well, I picked some of it up here and some of it up there. And MicroConf seems to be one place that I kept coming back to last year. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm still, I mean, I'm actually in Belgium right now as we speak. So like, I was in Stockholm for the conference, was home for a week, and now I'm away again. And hopefully the locks will work on the door when I get home. But um, <laughs> <laughs> my family will still be there or something. But I definitely, I, I, I have to still go through my notes from the conference um, and figure out what specific takeaways they were. There were. I mean, I, I, I was very impressed by how a whole lot of people have automated things. I mean, people like you know oh, Nick yeah. D and Kai Davis and even Brennan. They've spent the time, and and I, of course, it always comes down to time and how you're going to invest your time. But I mean, I put together a bunch of email courses, and I've got a few things going. But what I really need to do, I think, is take a few days in itself, uh, in and of itself, a bit of a joke, but take a few days, really map out how I'd like to people to come to me, how I would like to service them, and what sorts of automated stuff I can do to both reduce the load on me and to make myself sort of give them more obvious value and make it easier for them to find me. And uh, I just got to sort of sit down and both go through my notes and, and plot out how that can be done. But they've demonstrated that it's possible. They've, they've demonstrated that it's more than possible. Yeah, that was another thing that I picked up at microconf as well and in fact i had a long talk with kai about how he automates things for brennan's podcast you know down to him actually showing me the system they use you know it was just it was exceptionally valuable the other thing is is that between that uh those discussions on automation and then the fact that you know my one of my master so i'm in two mastermind groups and the one that wasn't in vegas with me we actually read the book procrastinate on purpose by rory vaden and that's all about what do you eliminate, what do you automate, you know, and just talks through how you basically move everything off your plate and have everybody else move everything off their plate except the most important thing. And I'll tell you that that's changed a lot of the ways that I think about things, and a lot of that did start at MicroConf. Right. One of the other things was it sort of cemented, in many ways, my satisfaction with having moved and positioned to training rather than still sort of doing a lot of development and dealing with clients. Um, because I heard some people talk about what it's like to go and service them, and it sounds so 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 familiar. And I am still doing some development, and I am still you know I'm still got it. I doing development for for clients, but I've moved enough out of that, and the client base that we have is stable enough that I'm not spending all day or even half of every day talking to them on the phone, negotiating what is working, what's not working, deadlines, schedules, bugs, and so forth, which is quite a relief. So if, in some ways, it just sort of reinforced my satisfaction with the direction that I've taken with my business and, and what I'm doing. I'm curious at a conference like that, and I think at some of the other conferences, but at uh, Double Your Freelancing in particular, does it feel at all like because you're there talking to freelancers and they're trying to figure out solutions to their problems, that you talk more about the problems than about how great it is to be a freelancer? 
Oh, that's an interesting point. I guess that's sort of inherent in the way it works, right? I mean, I guess we were all there because we enjoy freelancing, although some some people were clearly, I mean, it's always going to happen that some are more senior than others, but some people were definitely new. Like there was a woman there who uh, is working for a large consulting company and is planning to leave there and go off on her own. So she was like, not even new, she was sort of like a negative time in terms of running a freelancing company, but wanted to figure out how to do it and what steps to take to really move up. But there are a few people who have been doing it for a while. So I don't know if people really spoke about how great it was just because that's sort of an assumption. But I think at the same time, everyone was there to be very supportive and really encourage everyone else to do well uh, on the assumption, I think the correct assumption, that there is so much work out there that like hiding things or keeping things secret just sort of get a competitive advantage. Like, you got to be kidding me. The, the world's a big place. So even if we were talking about problems, it was here's how I solve that problem and you can too. Yeah, the, a lot. It was a lot the same at Micropump. So, w- what did you expect going into double your freelancing? Well, like, what were you hoping to come away with, or what did you think you'd come away with? Uh, what other outcomes did you think you'd get, maybe from the speaking and stuff too? I don't want to say it's a disappointment. I think it's just sort of a matter of expectations. But I think that I figured I was going to come away with some really like killer, crystal clear things that I need to be doing. And as usual. Uh, the crystallization happens, it's going to happen in my mind and the time that I take to spend and think about it. Not because some, you know people got up on a pedestal and said, you should do X and Y and Z. So I think my surprise is that, as with most most things in life, you need to give it time and attention in order to really benefit from it. I, I think I was really impressed, more than I expected, by, even though I said that most people are technology-oriented in some way, but there was still a wide variety of sort of types of technology people and the ways that people attack things and the, even the sorts of businesses that they're in. Uh, you know, there's some people there who are in rails rescue projects to a large degree. Uh, there's someone there who buys and sells companies. Right? It was very interesting to hear sort of what their challenges are. And, um, <laughs> you know, I just think, wow, I'd rather have my problems than theirs. <laughs> I, and honestly, I don't think I really had a very clear idea of what to expect. I knew there were going to be interesting, smart people. I knew I was going to learn a lot, but I really didn't have much to compare it with. I also think it was much more, and this was on purpose, social, fun, and relaxed. Like, I was very active in a youth group in high school, and I went to all sorts of, I mean, I was constantly, constantly, constantly going to conferences and conventions there um, for like four years. And Brennan at some point said that it was like summer camp, and I went to camp for years too, but this the conference reminded me very very much of my high school youth group meetings where we would talk and talk and talk until the wee hours of the night and the talking was a mix of you know business and fun but we came away exhausted but feeling like we got a lot out of it yeah that makes sense and you talking about some of these people i think some of the same people wind up going to microconf as well but the first time i went to microconf i had no idea what to expect um i generally I think in the same vein that you put out there, I expected that, you know, I'd come away with a bunch of clarity and a whole bunch of great strategies for how I wanted to get to whatever it was that I thought I wanted to get to. And I did, but not in the way that I thought I would, in the sense that in some ways, I think I expected to just kind of have this moment of realization or something. And that that didn't really happen. But there were so many people, there were so many backgrounds and points of view that I think that really is what it didn't give me the clarity. I, I had to reflect. I had to really think about what I had learned. But at the same time, I was put in a position where I was given all of the pieces and then I could kind of fit them together afterward. And this year, that's more or less what I expected. And so I did things a little bit differently. I actually went to the conference expecting to 
sit through the talks and get some uh, some ideas from the talks, which is terrific. But at the same time, I fully expected that the value for the conference was going to come out of the conversations I had and the things that I could take and implement or get inspiration from uh, in the business. And that's what I did. So uh, if I had the option of chatting with somebody who had an interesting or relevant set of experience, then I would opt for the conversation over the session. Mm -hmm. And that was a deliberate choice. I also went there with specific things that I wanted to learn. And then through the conversations as things wrapped up, I would actually tell the person I was chatting with, you know, I was kind of hoping that I could find somebody who could help me with this problem. And in a lot of cases, they'd be, oh, well, then you want to talk to so-and-so and they're over there. Do you want me to introduce you? And so it wasn't just by happenstance that I wound up talking to some of these folks. I actually got introduced and taken to them or they would tell me to go talk to somebody I already knew. And so when I when I went and talked to them, I'd say, you know, everybody's telling me that you're the expert on this thing. And then we could have the conversation about it. That I wound up talking to Brian Castle, who's been on the show before uh, mm -hmm. because of that. And, you know, I was asking about automation and things like that. And they all said, yeah, Brian's got it, his systems down for his business. And then I wound up talking to Kai Davis during lunch about the podcast setup, like I said before. And so by knowing that I wanted to pick up on those things, I could get directed around to the people that were kind of expert in those things. Right. Yeah. I guess if, if there was a, a theme to come out of what I learned, it was to get those systems in place. Mm -hmm. That the really successful people are the ones who come up with systems, they figure out how to do it, and then they automate it. And then they have time to work on other things. Well, the way that Rory Vaden puts it in Procrastinate on Purpose is he said that these people are multipliers. They multiply their time by finding the things that they don't have to do and stop doing them. They multiply mm -hmm. their time by figuring out what things they can hand off to somebody else. And then they're, they're not doing them anymore. And so then if you have a process that takes you an hour, but you pay somebody, you know, considerably less than whatever your time value proposition is, then, you know, you can work that out. And then you, you, you know, obviously you, you automate and you delegate, you work through those things and then you put off all of the other things that aren't important. So you can work on the one thing that's a priority and automation and delegation is all systems. And mm -hmm. if you can figure out, I could, I could multiply my time by not having to do this, even if it's five minutes every day, then you automate that. And then you have that much more time, which adds up pretty quickly if you figure, because it's almost a half hour every week. And over 52 weeks, that's 25 hours that you save yourself. Wow. Um, you know, and so you save yourself 25 hours, and that's 25 hours you can spend on other things that are more important, be they important pressing things that you have in your business, or be they going and hanging out with your kids and taking them to the zoo or whatever. And yeah, it's just, it's that kind of stuff. And just figuring those things out and getting them in place, it's a big deal. And yeah, I talked to a whole bunch of people about the systems they have in their business. And it turns out that there are a lot of people that aren't very good at it, but they knew who they were listening to, who was telling them to do the things that they knew they should be doing. And those are the people that I got directed to. Do you feel like it's worth going? Like, are you planning to go to keep going to microconf every year? Yes. Or do you feel like the, so, so it's not like the learning is going to peter out or it's going to plateau. No. And the reason is, is because there are all kinds of people there and there are people that have built million dollar companies and there are people there who are just getting started and they're all going to run into different challenges than I am. And there are going to be different things for me to learn and pick up every year. So I feel like as I go to the conference every year, and I go with a particular purpose in mind, even if there isn't sort of the world-class 
expert on that thing, whatever it is that I need to pick up. There are enough people who are good enough to get me started or get me further down the road to where I'll get whatever it is out of it that I need. The other thing is, is that because they have sort of these bigger players that tend to have done really amazing things, you know, that you can get a lot of inspiration too, as you're like, well, I'm sort of three steps behind that guy. So I'll just not run into the problems that he ran into Mm -hmm. because they explain how to avoid them. They tell you what they wish they'd done. Now, now you mentioned before, and this is something I'd heard about MicroConf, that people break up on their own for dinners. Because where it was a W freelance, at least in Europe, because we're at this spa, and it was like half an hour away from downtown Stockholm by boat. So we all had meals together. And I think that was actually a very positive thing. And isn't it possible that you could sort of end up knocking to see people or you know, mix it up with them because they're off having dinner with their friends? Yeah, that's possible. I'll tell you that uh, lunch, we all had lunch together. And yeah, for dinner, we would all kind of go wherever we wanted to go in Las Vegas. But everybody came back for the receptions in the evening. I see. Okay. So you could go and have the dinner conversation with your friends, or you could go and have the dinner conversation with whoever was in Slack saying, we're all going to this place, come with us. And then, you know, you could wind up going back. But the other thing is, is like having the dinner situation the way it was, uh, one of the conversations that I wound up having was with uh, Joel Hooks, who is one of the guys behind Egghead.io. Egghead.io is video training for programmers, which is kind of funny because Plural Sites based here in Utah and Egghead.io, one of, one of the two founders there is based here in Utah. Anyway, he runs the business side. And then uh, Joel Lindquist, who lives here in the same city I live in, actually, does a lot of the programming videos and helps curate the content. So Joel had a whole ton of ideas and thoughts and things that he had gone through building egghead.io. And it just turned out that Derek Bailey and I, who were hanging together, ran into him in the lobby outside of the room that we were having our conference in uh, right around dinner. And so Joel just took us to dinner. So it was Joel and one of his employees whose name I can't remember. Sorry if you listen to the show. And then Derek and I, and it was just the four of us. And so I got to pick his brain for two hours about how he runs Egghead.io and get a whole bunch of ideas out of it. And it was mostly because it was, hey, it's dinner time. Hey, are you hungry? You know, and Joel was, I didn't, I don't think I saw him at any of the receptions. And I think he sat through some of the talks as he was interested in them. So the only way I would have run into him was, well, hey, you know, there's a really great sushi place over here and, you know, let's go. And any new Derek. And so that, that worked out that way. And so I think there are trade-offs. I honestly think that meals together probably is better for most of the attendees. But, you know, in this particular case, I got to spend time with somebody who understood to some degree the business that I'm in and the things that I'm dealing with and had a lot of ideas on how to run the business and how to solve some of the business problems and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And there are, I think there are interesting trade-offs. But yeah, leaving it open like that, there were a couple of dinners that had like 20 or 30 attendees go to some restaurant in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then in other cases, if you wanted to go off and kind of be in a little bit more intimate setting, then you could. So I benefited from that. And then last year at MicroConf, I wound up going to dinner with like Joanna Weeb. And I can't even remember who all was there, but there were a whole bunch of people there who I kind of see as the top crust of their particular niche and just got to know these folks and and really benefited from that too. And so, you know, I tagged along with them and it turned out that, you know, a lot of them were interested in podcasting so I could, you know, share my experience there. 
And it was just a really nice, interesting mix. And at the same time, you know, got to figure out that some of these folks were human, you know, that they weren't superhuman. Like I thought, you know, that, oh, well, you know, I, I have these issues in my business and, you know, I have these doubts about myself all the time. And I'm just like, you people are, you know, brilliant. But, you know, right. <laughs> at the same time, and, and I don't think you get that from the same setup where everybody goes in, they walk down the buffet line, and then they sit down at whichever table they wind up at. Though that's fun, too, because it's kind of like a, a roulette of who am I going to meet and what, you know, what interesting thing about them, you know, am I going to benefit from and what interesting thing about me are they going to benefit from? So I, I think having the meals the way they were wasn't it. I think it worked well for microcom. Mm. So you mentioned a Slack channel. So W Freelancing also has a way a Slack channel before the conference and has continued actively after the conference. And so if anyone here runs any sort of conference, I strongly encourage you to do this. It was fantastic. People were able to give advice in terms of where to go, what to see in, in Stockholm before the conference began. People were able to exchange some ideas. Some people contacted me and said, I see you're going to be speaking. I'd love to find a time to pick your brain about it. And I was able to contact some people and do the same. It, it, was, it was really a great thing. And now afterwards, people are continuing to share and gush and give ideas. And it, it'll be interesting to see if it um, sort of runs its course or if it turns into something bigger. But I, I definitely think it was, it was a definite plus in terms of my enjoyment of the conference and my preparation. It was also kind of fun to meet people in person with whom I communicated quite a lot and to <laughs> you know, discover that their avatars didn't look quite like they did. <laughs> yeah, it was the same for MicroConf. Um, podcast movement is a little bit different in that they are doing a Facebook group instead. Mm. And it's for attendees past, present, and future. So it's pretty much anyone who wants to be involved in the conference in any way. But it's been one of the interesting highlights to communicate on either of those and just, you know, just see who's going and what they've got going on. And, you know, people ask questions about podcasting and you know, or, or for microconf, you know, people would get in and they'd ask questions about business before we even got to the conference. And a lot of informal events got organized. And, you know, all of that has just really been a fun way to get to know people and a really interesting way to continue the conversation. Now, one thing I will point out is that microconf shut down their Slack channel after a couple of weeks. So it's not there anymore. But, you know, it's been pretty terrific. It was also the way that I lined up a lunch with another entrepreneur that's here in Utah after the conference. So, you know, some of the networking and some of the experience that we had has continued since then. And that's been a very positive thing as well. In fact, I should get Blair on the show. He's the developer behind um, MemberPress, which is a plugin for WordPress. And he also does Pretty Links plugin for WordPress. So, hmm. But yeah, it's, it's just been a really great way to get to know people. And it's funny, I, I, you know, the world is a really big place with a lot of people in it, but I feel like in the sort of tech consulting entrepreneurial area, it's a relatively small community. Um, and I think there's a lot of overlap between the conferences that you and I went to. You and I both mentioned Kai Davis, and I know Brennan was in both. So it's, it's sort of funny that with so many people doing freelancing around the world, these are the people who are sort of going to conferences, interacting with each other, and then getting better and then sharing a lot of what they're doing. And th that spirit of sharing was really just pervasive also. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Amy Hoy was also at MicroConf. I don't know if she was oh, wow. at W Freelancing. I think she was at the one in uh, Virginia. Yeah, I was a little sad that I didn't get to meet up with her, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's that kind of thing. So beyond the personal connections and things like that, I mean, are there other things that people should do? I almost never look at the list of talks, but I think that that might be beneficial for me so that I can go, oh, okay, I actually want to go to that one or see if I can connect with the speaker ahead of time. I really like that idea. Yeah, I, I, that's a very good idea, actually. Looking at the list of talks and seeing if there's something that's particularly interesting and then contacting the speaker beforehand. First of all, it's, it's wonderful for their egos, which is of great importance. Oh, but it's I'll also stroke people's egos all day if I get what I want. <laughs> right. But but it also sort of puts both of you, both the speaker and you, in a position of saying, Yeah, let's let's talk about this subject. Let's see if I can help you out at all. And in my case, some people I got a chance to speak to at the conference, some people I didn't, but we're still gonna talk after the conference now, just because we didn't get a chance to, to chat about it at length. So so I definitely say looking at the talk, seeing if there's someone who can really benefit you, even potentially, and then contacting them and seeing how you can make a connection there. And and maybe even like you know, going into the conference with a, a bunch of thoughts of where is my business weak or weaker or weakest and where can I improve it? And then sort of looking through talks and people and seeing who might be in a position to help you out or even reaching out, right? If there's that Slack channel before the conference, you can say, hey, this is the issue I want to work on. I mean, I've been trying for months now to get help on my uh, regular expression book and the marketing of it. And uh, I, I kept coming up against dead ends. And so the conference, uh, they did a few teardowns of websites. We, were, we talked about that. I talked with other people about it. And I really started to get some ideas of what I can and should do to try to improve the marketing there. And could I have done it another way? Yeah, but it was really convenient to have this intense week of or intense few days of thinking and working on it. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to make some notes of what I want to get out of this conference and then do it. Do you guys ever uh, attend uh, workshops of any kind where it's a little more focused? It's like, you know, like Reuven, you mentioned needing help with marketing your book. Is that something you have encountered? I am curious if, if you see much of that going on. No, but that's a great idea. You know, whereas a conference is kind of like, you know, maybe five or 10 different subjects related to a theme. The workshop is like one subject, more focused, more about that one thing that you might need help with. I can tell you that at NGConf, they had a workshop day the day before the conference that you could sign uh-huh. up for. And so you could go to one of the workshops. Um, so they had Intro to Angular 2 because Angular 2 is uh, new and just coming out. And then they had a whole bunch of others that were, you know, related to some technology or another that was, you know, that had to do with Angular. So it was like Angular material design or something like that. So you could go to one of those. And then they also had a fair day, which was, uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain it, but they had a whole bunch of just fun stuff you could go do. And then they also had a bunch of sort of longer form talks that were more along the lines of those workshops. They were like two hour talks instead of, you know, 30 minute talks. Hmm. And they were definitely helpful. They're a little bit different focus because they're longer and they, they're kind of structured differently, but those work well too. I've never, or at least I can't think of any instance where I've been to like a full on workshop that where that was the whole event. Yeah. As I was thinking back, I realized I have been to a couple um, multi-day workshops and that I, I quite enjoy because, you know, there's, there's just no question what you're going to get. It feels like less of a grab bag and more of a, like, okay, this is a singular focus and it's, uh, hopefully going to help me level up in this one area. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's nice about the multi-day workshops, I've done a few of those myself, like put it on as the instructor. And that is that people go home and they try whatever it was that you were demonstrating in your workshop. 
And then they come back the next day with good questions because it's hard to help people visualize that even if you're actually like coding on screen and stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. they just don't understand until they try and go and do it themselves. And then it's like, oh, oh, yeah, this <laughs> this part's hard. And it's like, well, I, I didn't realize that, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's sort of where the conference, the world of conferences and training kind of overlap because there's that hands-on element that would be more something you would expect from a training experience. Yeah. And I just uh, I haven't looked at it, but I feel like that's, that's a really valid complement to a conference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been at this for about an hour. Is there anything else that we should go after before we do picks? I think the only thing I, I want to say is like people should definitely consider going to a conference. I mean, I, I was really excited. I, I came back um, really energized and very excited from, from what I'd seen and what I'd done with people I'd met. And so if you haven't been to one of these sorts of conferences before, I would definitely suggest that you look into it. Oh, the other thing is they can be expensive, but you have to see it, right? This, now we're turning the tables on the whole value-based pricing thing, right? Like you have to see it as an investment in your business, it does mean taking a few days off from work. It does mean not billing for your time. It does mean paying for travel, hotel, and you know, meals and so forth. But I, I definitely believe that the investment was worthwhile and more than payoff. Yeah, I agree. The other thing that I want to just put out there is that there are definitely ways that you can maximize the value you get out of that. And we've talked about some of those as far as meeting people and you know how you approach the conference and, and things like that. But if you're not actively experimenting with and trying to make the most of the knowledge and, you know, things that you've picked up from the conference, then, you know, you're going to shortchange yourself on that value. So, you know, we talked about the experimentation aspect of workshops, but it's definitely, you know, you need to do that with your conferences as well. All right, well, let's do some picks. Philip, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I have uh, over the past week been just loving this, uh, this book that I I'm listening to. Uh, it's the biography of Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts cartoon. Not sure if it's been picked here before, but um, of course, I'm listening to the audio book. It's fantastic. What's fantastic about it is that it's a portrait of how someone, you know, just kind of took their flaws and work the, they're, they're like personality flaws and work those into their their work and created this unique thing that started out as kind of a weird, quirky, offbeat comic strip that became phenomenally successful. And I feel like there's a a sort of, not a lesson per se, but just more of an inspirational story for anyone who's a freelancer who feels like they're not perfect, (laughs) who feels like maybe some aspects of their personality might hold them back. It's just a very encouraging story to see how someone has been through that and just managed to kind of work it into their work and find that kind of balance. And it's not a story of like banishing your personal demons, but more just kind of harnessing them and using them in your work. And for that reason, I find it very inspiring. So that's my pick for this week. Uh, The title is called Schultz and Peanuts, a biography. There's no T in Schultz, strangely, even though it's pronounced that way. Highly recommended. Awesome. Reuben, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so um, listeners of the podcast might know I'm a big uh, political junkie, and so I finally am getting around to reading some books from the last two elections, the U.S. elections, uh, famous books of that, uh, Game Change, and also uh, Double Down from the 2008 election and the 2012 election. And basically, these are these journalists, uh, John Heilman and Mark Halperin, who had meetings throughout the election campaigns with lots and lots and lots of people involved. 
on condition that they would only publish what they reported after the election was already over. So you get wild, crazy stories about everyone involved. And what's truly amazing, especially in the, the book about the 2008 election in which uh, you know, Hillary Clinton was running, so little has changed, right? Like eight years have passed. Yeah, all the players are still acting in the same crazy ways on all sides. So if you're into politics or drama or you want nonfiction that reads like totally gripping fiction, uh, I definitely recommend that you take a look at these books. Awesome. I've got a few picks here that I'm going to throw out there. The first one is When I Travel, which I'm going to be doing this evening. I'm going to a conference tonight. So this was very timely, I guess. I always travel with my Bose uh, noise-canceling headphones, and it just makes the travel experience so much more enjoyable, mainly because I get to just sit back. I can put them on. I don't have to care about what anybody else is doing on the flight. And then I can rest. I can listen to music. I can listen to a book. I can work on whatever I'm working on. And anyway, so really, really enjoy having those. Uh, I've got a couple of book picks as well. The first one is called The Overton Window by Glenn Beck. And regardless of what your political leanings are, it's a terrific story. Um, it does explain some of the standpoint of people who find themselves on the more constitutional conservative end of things. But for the most part, it's just a story of, you know, corruption and intrigue and all that stuff. And it's, it's really, really great. I really enjoyed it. Another one is The Jefferson Lies. The idea is, is that there have been a whole bunch of things that have been put out there over the years about Thomas Jefferson. And it turns out that they're not true. And uh, it's by David Barton. And so he goes in and he actually pulls up the evidence that refutes a lot of these claims that have been made, basically besmirching the character of Thomas Jefferson. And it's been really interesting to see where the information came from and what evidence there is to the contrary. And then finally, the last book I'm going to pick is by Brandon Sanderson. It's a book coming out. Uh, he says it's in the copy edit phase on his website, and it's from a book series that's really lighthearted and kind of fun to read. And it's Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians. And this book's called The Dark Talent, and it just picks up where the last book left off. And they were just a fun set of books to read. I really enjoyed them. So, yeah, go pick those up as well. And, uh, yeah, those are my picks. And uh, with that, I guess we'll wrap up the show. Um, if you're going to a conference, uh, go ahead and tweet at us at Freelancer Show, or you can tweet at each of us individually and uh, let us know where you're going and uh, what things have worked for you. That'd be awesome. And with that, we'll wrap up and we'll catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.